And welcome back to Weekly Sauce with Terry Tam and Alex Corleone. This is the Weekly Sauce episode 8, uh, where we dive into one episode, uh, one uh, subject per week. This week we're going to talk about the uh, the hyped fight island of the UFC, UFC 251. And we're, uh, we're happy to have on a special guest host of Unanimous Decision podcast, Adam Kaplan. Adam, how's it going, buddy? What's going on, guys? Nice to be here. Well, pleasure to have you, man. You had me on uh, a couple weeks ago, and we probably talked for almost three hours about <laughs> yeah yeah that was a good time man yeah absolutely we, we went all over the map in terms of combat sports <laughs> i loved it and then i got back i was my girlfriend's like you've been gone for like three hours i'm like no nah, it was like an hour it felt an hour like an hour yeah my wife said the exact same thing <laughs> <laughs> i was like fuck that um so alex and i differed on a few opinions of uh the outcomes of these decisions of the UFC 251. So I'm gonna ask you straight up, uh, what was your fight of the night? Uh, we'll talk about the main card mostly. Uh, what was your fight of the night, Adam? Whew, my fight of the night. Um, I'll be honest with you, the fight that had me the most excited, really getting me out of my seat, was Yuri Prochaska versus Volkan Ozdemir. How crazy! I thought that? that that fight was really fucking interesting. I thought that Yuri Prochaska was giving. Uh, UFC fans different looks in terms of his striking and kind of his unorthodox feints and movements. Yeah. And he just kept looking at that watch or holding that hand as if he broke it and then was just throwing it straight down the pipe after. But you kind of saw, though, that his style left him a bit vulnerable. So you were really on the edge of your seat. I had a little bit of money also on here, go. so I was a little <laughs> bit excited. But um, that, that, that's, to me, what I really thought was the fight of the night. And then, obviously, I you know I'll second that to... Um, Rose, Nami, Yunus, and uh, Jessica Andrade. Okay, yeah, well, yeah, I guess finish of the night or whatever it was, right? Submission of the night, that was crazy. Uh, yeah. Yeah, so that, the Prokatska fight, Prokatska, I don't even know how to pronounce his name. I mean, I had, never, I had no idea who this guy was. I had never heard of him. Oh, my God. Okay, I, good. So, okay, yeah. so tell me. Tell me. Go I, on. So I never heard of him, and I'm seeing him, and I'm like, I'm like, what was the mirror? He doesn't look like, it's weird because you can tell that this guy is looking for the knockout, and I'm like, it's going to happen. So I was waiting for it to happen the entire time because Ozdemir did yeah. not look good. Like he looked like he was better in the boxing because Perkaska, I guess you pronounce his name that way. He was always yeah. like you said, he was kind of like looking at the clock. Like he was always, he was just being weird. He was just being weird. Yeah. Like there's something's wrong with this guy, and he's gonna fucking win. I know it. Absolutely. He he definitely um, let Ozdemir land a couple of shots due to his style, but it's kind of obviously part of the game plan and. We saw that it had paid off. Now, it's interesting that you don't know Yuri Prochaska. So Prochaska fought in Ryzen, okay. which uh, has now you know, been, I guess, the new pride. Yeah. Uh, I, I've watched him fight about four or five times, four times now in Ryzen. And like you have to watch this guy fight at like four or five in the morning. And look, I'm reading right now who he's fought. Brandon Halsey, Muhammad Lal, Fabio Maldonado, C.B. Dalloway, and Vulcan Ojemir. He's one of the few guys on the... Uh, international circuit who's actually fought like household names with real winning records that have ufc experience so like, like this guy is actually two or something right no he's uh he's 17 and four oh, well, or 18 and four else. now so he has uh definitely enough experience in the international scene it's just crazy that he's fought that many ufc vets and then he actually turned down his first contract in the ufc and because he said he money at Ryzen, yeah well, not only that, he thought that he was too green, and then now it looks like he came in at the perfect fucking time. Uh, I liked it. Alex, did you end up seeing that fight? It was the main event of the fight night. My favorite fight? Yeah. Uh, I I have to go with Peter Yan and Jose Aldo. You like that fight? 
that fight was brilliant. Uh, I, I felt out that fight was emotional from the start to, to the end. I had, well, with, with the way the fight started, I thought Aldo was going to win. So, yeah, I mean, you so kind of had that feeling, yeah. And then as the fight went on, Peter Yan gained more traction, more momentum, and then he eventually knocked him out. At the end, I felt like the ref just... He let it go I felt like, too long. He, yeah, he went a little, yeah, he went to go way too long. Way too I long. felt like the, the fight was over way before that. Like, well, not way before, but I felt like a minute ago, the fight at was least, over. At least 40 punches too long, at least. Exactly, yeah. And I don't know if you noticed, Adam, but like he at one point in the beginning of the fight, I think it was like the first round, where Aldo was on his back and he's kind of like he's defending him. He's putting his legs out. He's defending himself. And Peter Jan throws a punch at his ribs or his chest or something. And Aldo kind of turtles up like at a Yes. Hurt. And I was yes. like, oh, man. Uh, that's... But then he yes. recovered. So I was like, okay, maybe he probably just got winded or something. So a very interesting yeah. scenario that had happened. And I actually think that it had to do with the weight cut. I don't know okay. why, but I just think that when I've watched Matt Brown in the past and I've watched other fighters, when they get hit in that bladder region, like, dude, these guys tend to fold. And I, I actually think that some of that has to do with, with the amount of weight that sometimes Jose Aldo has to cut. I could be wrong, but ultimately, you know, the way the way I look how the, the fight played out to, to um, complement what Alex said, I thought, like, in the first two rounds, like, Jose Aldo looked completely impressive. Yeah. Uh, Peter Yan took a, a slower approach in the first round, had his hands nice and high, uh, in and they were going at it in terms of the boxing, whereas Jose Aldo was pumping that lead hand and had phenomenal head movement. So Peter Yan wasn't really able to get his shots going in the first round like he was in the later. But fuck, man, like he still was conservative and still stole that first round. And, you know, then Aldo took over that second round. And it was just nice to see somebody in, in Aldo's guard. You yeah, know, and it was just a point. different look. Yeah. It was a, it was a different look and a different feel. And uh, you know, like I said on the unanimous decision, it's like Jose Aldo is one of the best three round bantamweight fighters out there. Probably, yeah. But like, dude, Peter Yan yeah. is the young lion, and like in those fourth and fifth rounds, like, dude, you're seeing it. You've been seeing it since like John Jones and Gustafson. Those four and five rounds, those championship rounds exist for a fucking reason. Yeah, and like that, and you're really seeing in Aldo's career how those two rounds are are hurting him. If you look at Max Holloway versus Jose Aldo in in the championship rounds, is when he's getting finished. Yeah. So like, dude, like at this point in his career, it's like, fuck, man. But like, dude, we'll get to that after. But Max Holloway is fucking fading in the championship rounds, too. Uh, yeah, we'll talk about but, that. But, you know, after. we're yeah, getting all over the place here. Let's, no, let's no, take I, our I, time here. Let's I want to be time. all over the place because that whole card was all over the place. All those, those judges were all over the place. But it was more with, with when I bring it back to Yan and Aldo is like, I, I just see Aldo. Your chin is the first thing to go. Everybody says it, right? It's the most <laughs> common thing that people like to say. Media guys, they say, oh, your chin is the first thing to go. And it's true for Aldo. <laughs> not necessarily his chin, but he's just not able to dominate like he was before. I have a theory that might be controversial, but ever since USADA came in, Aldo's been struggling. And it's one of those, not, not struggling, but it's like it's one of those things where what a lot of these guys have been struggling. If you look at the list of all the, all the guys that vanished after USADA came in. So it's just it's tough for me to when i look at aldo and how dominant he was before also there's that whole conor mcgregor factor conor mcgregor KOing him in 13 seconds 
took all his wind out of him, like emotionally, <coughs> physically, mentally, everything. He was done after Conor McGregor knocked him out. And it's it's a shame because to me, it's either Aldo or, or Holloway as the best featherweight champions of all time. Well, Jose Aldo, um, Jose, Alex, go ahead, man. No, 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 no go ahead. I'll, I'll, wait, just go ahead, just, okay, just cool. go ahead. Okay, um, so Jose Aldo uh, going three and six after Conor McGregor. You've definitely seen some ups and downs over those last nine fights. Who's he uh, the, th- the three, The three wins, I believe, have been against Moicano. Um, well, he beat somebody recently. He beat... Well, go ahead, Alex. So, yeah, I was going to say, Marlon Moraes, his fight against Mar- Marlon Moraes, Dana White, Dana White was saying Aldo won that fight. Yeah, Dana White yeah. says a lot of things, though, right? We, we, I mean, technically, he didn't win. <laughs> he, he came out of the, uh, at a press conference saying straight up Aldo won that fight. And you know what? Um, and, it's, and I think that Dana White is a very smart guy. Obviously, he knows what he's talking about, but he also yeah. might, he also... Uh, it knows how to manipulate the media. So, but either way, I thought Aldo won that yeah. fight. I'm not denying that. I thought Aldo won that fight as well. But the only thing to me is yeah. that I'm not. I'm not impressed. Back to my point before, I'm not impressed with Yan. Uh, not that not in that fight. I'm impressed with him individually in watching him fight. I am impressed with him. But he hasn't beat anybody in the top five of his division. Okay, hold on, hold on. Okay, so let me go back here. So him being him being three and six, Jose Aldo. He's beaten Frankie Edgar, Jeremy Stevens, and Hanato Moicano. Okay, those are good fighters. Keep in mind, at, at UFC 200, his, his performance against Frankie Edgar was, was A-class. Stellar. Okay, Stellar, yeah. Stellar performance. He bounced back. He looked great. In terms of the USADA thing and the body work, I don't know about you, man, but everybody where I was, who I was watching the fight with, social distancing, was... <laughs> uh, was... Uh, <laughs> was... Um, saying he was bodied up. So I disagree. He with looked you. great. He looked I, great. I think that he has had moments since the McGregor loss, including even the McGregor loss, where there's been some issues in terms of how his body type looks. Yes, that I agree with. Yeah. But let's scale back here um, in terms of the top two featherweights of 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 uh, the division. Yeah, Max Holloway and Jose Aldo definitely go down in history as the top two featherweights, and. Uh, the last thing that I'll say is, is I don't know how you could say that you're not you're not impressed by Peter Yan. I'm impressed by Peter Yan when I watch his fights. I think he's great. I think he will be a great fighter for a long time. I know you're very high on him after we spoke uh, a couple weeks ago. So I, I do think he's a great fighter, and I do think that he's he would have deserved the championship fight. I didn't think he deserved the shot. That's all I'm saying. That I understand. Yeah. Let me let me break it down to you here. The reason why Peter Yan is legit is, is first of all, before his UFC career, he was fighting at ACB. Yeah. Okay. Absolute championship, Burkut. Like, first of all, these are the baddest, some of the baddest dudes on the planet on on the on the international scene that isn't you know the top three or the top four. Um, if you are fighting and you are not from that part of the world in terms of Russia, Siberia, Chechnya, Dagestan, blah blah blah. Uh, you're going to have a really fucking hard time fighting for those promotions. For sure, yeah. And the, the bodies yeah. they are going to feed you are going to work you in, into a grinder. They, even so have, they have a lot of money, too. They started a jiu-jitsu uh, league as well, and they're <coughs> paying guys a lot of money. So top-level guys were going because they were paying well. Absolutely, because we could all agree that in that side of the world, that is their hockey, that is their yeah. NFL, that yeah. is their baseball. So, you know, Peter Yon coming from ACB is, a- is absolutely a big deal. 
another thing too is is that you're looking you know he fought on the jones gustafson two card 232 he fought at ufc 238 cejudo marias ufc 245 usman covington and now ufc 251 fight island like they've kind of already paved the way for this guy to like get into this position yeah but i feel like they gave him guys that the, he, who did he, who who's he beaten? He's beaten. Bro, uh, he's beaten Uriah Faber, Jimmy Rivera, John Dotson. Jimmy Rivera is his best. I love Jimmy Rivera. Great. great I agree. With you. Be- that I that agree was with that was his biggest win. But Jimmy totally. Rivera was. Well, uh, Jose Aldo is, but yes. I mean Jose that. Aldo, but Jose Aldo when you when you look at him as a um, as a bantamweight, he wasn't in the top five. But you kind of put him in that ranking because he's such a dominant featherweight, right? Absolutely. I think it's only his second fight at bantamweight. So, Absolutely. So if I look at he, he's beat he beat Jimmy Rivera and he and he killed Jimmy Rivera. Like I mean, let's be honest here. Yes. But, and he killed Uriah Faber, an old Uriah Faber, semi-retired. Yes. Not to take anything away from Uriah, one of the legends, Mount Rushmore, all that shit. But when it comes to what Peter Yan did, does he deserve a championship fight over uh, Sanhagen, Sterling, Garbrandt? Dude, um, I'm 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 sorry. To- well, um, dude, I'm telling you, after the performances that we've seen out of Peter Yawn lately, I'm I'm saying yes, man. In the first round, uh, Aldo came out with supreme boxing, and Peter Yawn matched it with a calmer temperament. And then in the second and third rounds, you really saw that Jose Aldo was going into that Muay Thai stance, and Jose and Peter Yawn met him into that. Oh, for sure. So yeah. you really saw that he stepped up to the plate, and and I know that Sanhagen and Sterling have definitely stepped up to the plate too. But given what Peter Yawn did against Aldo, I'm not really uh, too upset about the decision. I think, I think he's deserving of winning that belt, winning the championship because he fought in the championship. But I just like getting there. I felt that he should have fought one of those four guys before getting into the, before getting that title shot. Alex. Yes. However, the way the, the, uh, they placed him into the fight was based on the current situation. So I'm I'm pretty sure if um, Cejudo didn't retire, maybe it was going to be Jan Cejudo. Yeah, but I believe Moraes fought not long ago. Moraes just lost to uh, Cejudo. Was the last uh, fight I think he had a shot title uh, shot against Cejudo and he lost. Exactly, he and lost, he was, and he was winning the first round. Cody Garbrandt just fought not long ago. Um, he's coming off a three fight lot, three three losses. Exactly, and, and Garbrandt he lost three before his incredible knockouts. Yeah. So I think I think it's just the time and and place the reason why Peter Yang got his shot. I I think he should have fought uh, Aljamain Sterling for uh, contender shots. For I mean, um, the thing is at that point, I think, shot. at that point, I think what they were trying to do, and and to your point, Alex, is that. If Cejudo was still there, would yeah. Yeah, maybe they would have given Jan uh, Sterling because Sterling beat Sanhagen. Maybe they would have given Jan uh, somebody else, maybe like an O'Malley or something like that. But I feel like O'Malley's not there yet. So Garbrandt is championship level. He just needs to probably win one more fight to get a shot. Um, but I think Sterling deserved that shot before Jan did. So, But before Aldo did. So at least it, maybe it should have been Sterling and Yan, but I think they wanted to put Yan on this card, so they forced it, and they're like, "Aldo, you're ready to go. What about you? You're a champion." I f- yeah, I think I think I think Dana White just wanted to stack that cards as much Jan as possible. Exactly. To, Adam, to Adam's point is that he forced him down the throats because he knows what kind of a fighter he is. 
how good he can yeah, be. Absolutely. He's, yeah. uh, you know, he's an international fighter that brings uh, a big presence to that side of the world. Uh, the Russians are, are no foreigners to traveling. So, you know, just having that attraction, adding to it in terms of adding the uh, another Russian fighter in Abu Dhabi yeah. adds appeal to it. And, you know, also they were saying that, uh, I don't know, I read this somewhere on uh, Reddit or something. This is all alleged, but Dana White has an issue with Aljamain Sterling because of a video that he found uh, with Matt Sarah in a hotel room. Something okay. like he was showing him how to milk a cow or something. What the fuck? Yeah, I don't know. I read it on uh, on on Reddit, and I thought yeah, that stay, that was rather stay off of Reddit, man. Like I can't. Yeah. Man, I don't know. There's too many fucked up. There's too much fucked up shit over there. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, as a champion, we'll move on. Uh, I think he'll probably get Sterling after. That's what everybody's saying, and I think that's what happened. If unless unless he wants to milk a cow, and Dana White's like, no, fuck this guy, fuck this guy. I don't know. I don't know, man. I'm I'm super high on Peter Yan. He's got great boxing. He's got great Muay Thai. He's got good ground and pound. He has good wrestling in terms of you know he he knows how to uh, transition a fighter being in his guard and and hop into half guard and fucking just pound the shit out of him. So. Good, a big fighter. Fan. Good fighter. And that to me was my fight of the night in terms of the three title fights. That's the one that impressed me the most. I agree. Same here. Same here. Uh, so we'll go on to the next fight. The biggest controversy, I guess. Uh, Alex Volkanovsky retains his belt against Max Holloway. Um, this is a split decision. Um, whatever the numbers are, I can't do math in my head now. What is it? 48 47, three times. Two yeah. for Volkanovsky, who I found out is Greek, by the way. His mom's half Greek. No, his mom's Greek. Yeah. His, his dad's from Macedonia. I yeah. Greek. Uh, <laughs> but that that last name though, I can't figure it out. <laughs> um, and then the and then one and one judge gave it to Holloway. A lot of people saying Holloway. John McCarthy, who created the rules apparently, uh, created the rules for judging, says Holloway won. Uh, I thought that um, it was the tightest fight I've ever seen up until the fourth round. The fourth round, as you saw Volkanovski really start uh, piecing him apart, you like you said at, to your point, Adam, before is that you saw Holloway kind of fade away in the championship rounds twice. We saw that happen. Um, the third round is where it's kind of up in the air. But in the third round, you saw uh, Volkanovski starting with the leg kicks again a little bit differently. Uh, he started jabbing a lot more. He started putting a little more pressure. Uh, where Holloway in the first two rounds was putting was going forward, going forward, going forward, uh, more combinations. Where then Holloway kind of started slowing down. You can't slow down in the third. If you're going to slow down, you slow down in the fifth, and you just kind of take the round off. Um, that's yeah. why I think that Volkanovski won. I gave it to Volkanovski there, but I saw an, an I saw an argue for Holloway, and I bet on Holloway. I put money on Holloway. Yeah. So so remember our weekly sauce back in. June, where we're okay. talking about UFC 251 Fight Island, yeah, yeah. and we were saying how Volkanovski. Anyways, you picked Holloway, I picked Volkanovski. Yeah. So the way the fight went, I was like, Holloway's dominating the first two rounds. It's Yo, Holloway all the. I was so it's, excited. It's Holloway all the way. I was pumped. I was looking at him like, was, Fuck, well, yeah, kill exactly. Yeah, I was um, I was really impressed with Holloway the first two rounds. I'm like, hey, did he improve? Did he you know watch his own tape from the from from, uh, from the previous fight and he improved? Um, third round is the most controversial one because it can go both ways. The but round four and five, I'd have to give them to Volkanovski. I yeah. rewatched I rewatched those two rounds, the fourth and fifth. 
Uh, Volkanovski controlled. He, uh, he he landed a lot more significant punches. Uh, so third round is the one that it can go either way. The thing to is, me. The, the third round is where everybody's kind of saying like, okay, Holloway yeah. won. Uh, takedowns didn't mean much because he couldn't keep him down. Um, and I don't, he didn't keep him down. And I'm not even counting those takedowns to, to Volk when he when he couldn't, when Holloway would get up within five seconds. You know what I mean? So uh, I still gave it to Volkanovski even after thinking that. Adam? Um, <clears throat> so the way I looked at it is, is that the first two rounds, I felt that Max made uh, Volkanovski look really small in the octagon, mm -hmm. took up a lot of the space. Um, Volkanovski really wasn't able to sit down on those light kicks like he was in the in the previous fight. And I actually read an interesting tweet on Twitter from uh, somebody I follow that did a breakdown video. And Volkanovski, every time he would take a step out with his uh, rear foot, uh, Holloway wouldn't circle out in the first fight. And now in the second fight, he circled out every time he would try to take a step out with the rear foot and land that lead leg kick for, with a little bit of power. So this time he would circle out more. So that fared to be more successful. And uh, it really just came down to me for that third round. I, For me, it just came down to a classic take of hardcore fans versus casual fans <laughs> looking at it and just thinking that significant damage is the only thing that matters in terms of winning a fight. And Volkanovski in the fourth and fifth round, I don't think put on the more significant damage but made more of the points add up to win those two rounds. And I think that the allure in maybe the third and fourth round that people think that Holloway took it was, is due to those few significant strikes that seem to deem, uh, deem to be more uh, powerful. So that's kind of the issue here is that a lot of the shots that Holloway landed looked like they had hurt Volkanovski a lot more uh, than he did. And what sucks about Volk is, is that like, dude, this guy threw like, landed no right hands. Nothing. All he did was throw his leg kicks, threw everything yeah. off his jab and long left hooks. It was actually fucking impressive how he was able to beat him with almost the entire left side of his body. And I attribute that to him actually playing it. Oh, man, I'm going to get smoked for this. Either way. <laughs> the reason why he's not throwing <laughs> anything off of his right side is because he, ah, there's saying. a part of him that knows he's going to get knocked the fuck out, man. That's it. Like, it. you know, he's for hiding sure. behind that. Like, yeah, ah, for sure. But I like Volk. Ah, fuck. No, I mean, he knows. Uh, you have to know that Holloway's a threat at that point. You know Because I mean? as soon as he started opening up, he had that right uppercut with the left hook. Yeah, bop, bop, yeah, yeah. Bop, 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 he put him down. That was there it. There was one uppercut that Holloway missed probably by an inch. And yeah. Less than, and I think if he connected, uh, Volk's head is, is, in, is back home. You know what I mean? And it was, I was watching Holloway and I, I think everybody wanted Holloway to win more than anything because right. he's such a good guy. You know what I mean? Like everybody, there's totally. nobody that doesn't like Holloway. And, and yeah, I mean, what he did after the fight was amazing. See, uh, he, donated he donated his, his gear. Stuff. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Yeah. He's a good yeah. Well, guy, I mean, a lot, yeah, a lot of fighters have done that in the past, donating their gear. I think it's really great. I actually think that the coolest thing that Holloway did was, is that, Media uh, members saying that Volk won were receiving death threats, and he basically put out a tweet being like, "Don't fucking do that." It's it's also stupid. <laughs> like I'm in a room with with a bunch of Moroccan Jewish guys. Okay, I'm, that's how I watch the fights with. So all my friends are all Moroccan Jews. So you know how that they're very loud. I will say this, and they're very opinionated, and they're all it's two 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 the entire uh, after the fourth after the fourth round, and after the fight. 
uh, Volkanovski clearly wins the fifth. After the fight's done, a couple of them are saying that Volkanovski, uh, the Holloway won. But how do you say that when Volkanovski clearly won the fifth round? And then they come back and say he won the third round. It's everybody wanted Holloway to win. I wanted Holloway to win. I could have justified it any way in my fucking head that Holloway would have won that fight. I, I, I agree with what you're saying, but I think it goes back to what I said before in the sense that damage is the biggest allure that we watch the sport for. Exactly. And if we're looking at who put on the most damage and the most significant strikes, it was Max Holloway. And, and then, who had the biggest pre presence in the octagon? Max Holloway. And then, Bro, Volkanovski looked like he was a fucking flyweight in there with Max. <laughs> it's true. Well, the fucking size difference, yeah. there were... How it was almost like a fucking um, Mortal Kombat or <laughs> wait, what, what's that game called? Um, yeah, it almost looked like a Street Fighter, like, like a cartoonish fight. Almost, yeah. yeah. The so fucking long. size difference. Holloway looked good. I mean, I found it good, but then, like you said, in the fourth and fifth, he kind of slowed down. But my point is, is that we 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 like what Adam's point also is that people look at the the damage. Remember when GSP fought against uh, was it Condit? And Con he beat Condit clearly, and Condit didn't have a didn't have a scratch on him. But GSP's eyes were all fucked up, and he, and everybody's like, "Oh, look at GSP's eyes! He lost." Like, it, just because somebody bruises easy doesn't mean that you know. Yeah, but it's also because GSP almost got uh, TK out in the fourth. He got he had, head, a head kick, and he had that flipped over and blah blah blah. Well, there's also like the, the the big hematoma that came off his head. Remember? Right, exactly. You saw you it live. You eliminate that whole scenario. Uh, uh, GSP dominated that performance and I also think that you know it's kind of the same thing that now that you've seen McGregor lose now when we saw George lose you know every time like something happens you're kind of like oh shit oh yeah, shit yeah. I really know what's gonna happen it's true it's very true <laughs> yeah so I know I but the thing another thing is that so everybody like like Alex I know you're one of them you want you you thought the Holloway won Piggy, piggybacking off of uh, other MMA fighters and maybe John, guys like John McCarthy say when they say that Holloway won what they're not judges, right? I mean, I I think that judges need to be ex fighters. In this situation, they were not ex fighters. A lot of times, we see boxing judges boxing uh, judging MMA fights, which is wrong because they know nothing about the ground. And we see it often in New York, where there's judges there that are boxing judges that ha that have no idea, that don't give any points to people that know how to grapple. And I just think that judges, the judges need to be ex fighters. Guys like Ricardo Almeida, who's doing it, but then they put too many restrictions on him. So he said, fuck it, I'm not going to do it. And they need they need judges that have been either in the octagon or know how to fight. Guys like Robin Black probably would be the best judge out I there. think I think Bisping should be a judge and not oh. a commentator. Bisping can't be a judge. He doesn't know well, how to remove himself from the fight. And I don't like him as a, as a commentator either. either. I, he's too loud. He's... I honestly, I I was looking forward for Joe Rogan to be that commentator for that fight that for a, for that event. I know that's the that's the only fucked up part, but you know at least Daniel Cormier or something. Well, I mean, it's tough to get these guys to fly to Abu Dhabi. You know, Bisping, I guess you know he was willing. He was willing to do it. Well, all depends on who's willing to do it. Well, you know what it comes what it what it comes down to is is that I don't think that they could really. Uh, Daniel Cormier definitely can't go there due to the fight being in August 15th. Yeah, uh, he was preparing that, himself for that, yeah. Yeah, I don't think that Joe Rogan had any interest to go to Abu Dhabi. Well, he never uh, with, travels. 
Well, he doesn't travel, but also I just don't think he had an interest going with probably the commentary crew that was there, and he's busy and whatever it is. And, you know, Michael Bisping is available right now. I do think that they are going to bring other people in, maybe John Gooden or uh, Dan Hardy or whatever it is. I do oh, think Dan that Hardy, nice. Yeah, I, I, I was actually really looking forward to having Dan Hardy on. Uh, I think that DC and Bisping and – uh, whatever, sometimes Cruz, but I find DC and Bisping especially are just trying much too hard to have their voice uh, physically heard by while the fighters. The gun. Yeah. And it's obnoxious and it's obvious and I'm just simply not a fan of it, but uh, Michael Bisping really didn't get in the way of me enjoying the evening. The only commentary that sometimes gets in the way of me enjoying the evening is Dominic Cruz just because I, I find that he just Michael Bisping could put aside his pettiness. I just feel that Dominic Cruz, like, there's just a part of him that yeah. he, even if he puts it aside, it's like you don't fucking believe it. Whereas Michael Bisping, you know, yeah, he's ripping Dan Henderson on the tweets at the same time, but, like, that's why we <laughs> love him, you know? So it's exactly. Chill. That's Bisping. But you're right about Cruz. As, as good as he is and as great as an al- uh, analyst he is, he does sometimes, like, if he doesn't like what Joe Rogan says, he'll be like, well, you're wrong. You know, like, he'll call him out. And it's like, <laughs> Which I like at the same yeah. time. No needs a nice humble pie once in a sometimes, while. Sometimes, yeah. Really shit, you know? He, at least lately. He, he, well, always, man. It's just I think that everybody deserves to, like, everybody needs to have, uh, you know, their re- opinion debated and challenged. The thing about uh, Joe Rogan, and I've, I love Joe Rogan. I'm a huge fan of his podcast, everything, right? Uh, I feel like he's the sport might have outgrown his knowledge if that means anything i mean i think he knows. so i understand what you mean in that but i think that that's the natural thing in terms of the evolution of the sport because you have to think about it like when you grow up in a certain era like even though you're watching other uh, future eras and present eras always in the back of your mind you're like bro nothing better than the old days yeah, yeah exactly so i think that that's kind of some of the issue that has to do with it um, but I don't think it's so much that. I just think that it's that Joe's found so many different avenues to make his money. And, um, you know, let's be real here. Yes, the allure of the, you know, the atmosphere and the fucking the fans cheering and everybody going crazy is fantastic. But you know what? When you've done that over a, a thousand and one times, you've done that five thousand times. And then you're sitting in your studio and you get to roll a couple joints, have six or seven beers, maybe do a little shrooms, order a pizza. Why the f- and then get paid like a hundred million in the bank from Spotify? Why the fuck wouldn't you do that instead? Of course, the fight companion is probably the best thing. And I think this time I didn't watch the full fight companion yet. I usually I always watch it after. I never I never really watch it live. I think I did it once where I watched like the last two fights of the card live while watching the fight companion. But yeah. before, when they do it with Shab and Callan and Bravo, they don't even talk about the fights. But this time, so, this time they did. So I'm looking forward to actually listening to this one. I have not been able to sit through a Joe Rogan podcast fully in probably six or seven months. I, it takes me forever to finish a podcast. Some of them are too long. And uh, yeah, they're all, they're all pretty long. But I was looking forward to Joey Diaz and Tony Hinchcliffe just because both of those guys... You know, the problem with when they have Schaub on is that Schaub and Eddie Bravo have been so immersed in the sport that, like, they don't really give a fuck. And then, like, Brian Callen is on the edge of his seat and, like, he wants to know what's up, like a little puppy dog. Yeah. We love Callen, though. Love but it. I find that Schaub and, and, and Bravo, like, sometimes they brush over certain topics to just talk about bullshit. Another thing about Schaub is that he's 
he he has a kind of the Joe Rogan effect where they talk so much that they say the same things over and over again that sometimes they contradict themselves. You know what I mean? They try to yes, be a little different. Yes, that I agree with, but Shab also contradicts like, himself way too much. Dude, Shab only Shab contradicts himself because if he's saying red and then Joe says blue, he then changes his mind to whatever Joe's saying. And, you know, that's why it was just refreshing that he had these two guys on because Tony Hinchcliffe is a huge fan of the WWE. He's worked for the WWE, did a yeah. little bit of, he used to of write. Uh, you know, of creative writing for them. So he obviously understands a little bit of the industry because obviously the WWE and the UFC, you know, or MMA rather, uh, blur the lines. And, and, he's, and you he's know, got that little thing with Joanna going to. Yeah, exactly. And Joey Diaz is is a fucking gamer of gamers. I mean, oh, yeah. dude, Joey Diaz is the man. I uh, I went to Santa Monica with my with my wife for four days, and we uh, we went one night to the comedy store. And uh, dude, Joey Diaz was there. Rogan was there. Louis C.K. Fucking I man. Went, I went to the comedy store night. one night. I saw. I mean, I was happy back then to have seen him, but Chris, I saw Chris D'Elia. Uh, I saw Neil Brennan. Joe Rogan was on there. Uh, I saw a bunch of guys. It was, the comedy store is awesome to go. And so let me Alex ask lives, you. Alex lives in California, LA. Lives an hour up. Yeah. Oh, that's cool. Well, fun fact: I've I've been living here for almost for so for so long. I've still haven't been to fucking Santa Monica, which I'm planning on going there. Awesome. But every time I tr- every time I try to go there, there's always something that comes up. COVID. So <laughs> yeah, COVID now. Uh, but at least. Uh, <laughs> But I'm looking forward. That's that's one of that's definitely on my bucket list. I want to go to Santa Monica for sure. I would move there. What were we saying, Adam? Um, so yeah, uh, you know that's that's basically it. I'm just happy about Joey Diaz like being on the show and being able to kind of break bread there and and get that done. So I thought that that was pretty cool. And um, you know, referring back to the whole Max Holloway and. Uh, and uh, blah, 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 Alex Volkanovsky fight. Like, where do these guys go? That's where I'm wondering. Because when I'm looking at the featherweight division, I'm like scratching my head. You know, you have Zabit uh, fighting um, Yair Rodriguez. Yeah. And then you have Calvin Cater fighting Danny Idge, which of the two guys in those equation, obviously Calvin Cater is the more alluring one, but Danny Idge brings a, a ruthless striking. Oh, it's so, huge. You know, it'll be different, but dude, you don't fuck with Calvin King. No. You don't fuck with that guy. You better be ready to go because if your striking's on on point, he's going to take you down. Well, there's and, a- if you, and if you, you know, if you you want to grapple with him, he'll grapple. You want to scrap, he'll scrap. Like he's one of the more well-rounded guys in the oh, UFC. A big cater guy, but then you also have Ortega. Uh, you also have TKZ. Uh, TKZ exactly, the Korean Zombie. Uh, so Ortega and TKZ want to get down. They were but, supposed to, uh, but then he got into a fight with his manager. So. Well, they got into a fight with the manager, and then, you know, the Korean zombie was saying, why don't you come to the Korea and, uh, Korea and fight me? It's like, hey, dude, have you been watching the news? And then, <laughs> and what doesn't make sense is, though, is that, you know, Peter Yan uh, flew from Thailand, you know, so I don't see why they wouldn't be able to get the Korean zombie to fly out to Abu Dhabi from Korea. And it's um, South also, Korea. South Korea is fine. Absolutely, and I think that they yeah. could also get Ortega out there for sure. for sure. I just, I don't know. Like, for me, I'm looking at it, and I'm like, really? You guys want to do, uh, you want to do the winner of Ortega and Korean Zombie to fight for the featherweight belt in Volkanovski? Like, why the hell wouldn't you guys want to, like, wait to see what happens with Zabit? Zabit, yeah, exactly. Like, dude, why wouldn't you just let Zabit win? 
and then have him fight in Abu Dhabi. Like, do you guys not like to make money? Like, are no. you crazy? The like, hormone Zabit, monster. Zabit, like, do you think? Do you think that any of the guys that we saw at UFC 251 will fight again in Fight Island? That's a good question. I mean, I, I don't think I feel so. like Fight Island's here to stay. Because there's because there's because some of the ownership <clears throat> from the UFC are got some guys from Abu Dhabi, so they might want to keep it there. That's true. You know, I don't know about you guys, but it kind of felt like there the allure of fighting on the Fight Island was is that it almost felt like it was separate from the rest of everybody's career. Like even if you lost yeah. there, it was like yeah, who gives? Like, what I was like watching thinking? Dragon Ball Z. It was like the grand one of the side grand tournaments that all the characters got invited to. It's like, who cares if you got eliminated first round? Like, we're just happy to be here. That's it, exactly. I feel the same way. I mean, I love I loved it. And I hope it's I hope it's here to stay. And like you said, yeah, it's kind of like, okay, yeah, what happens here stays here, but it doesn't really affect your score. Um, so are we saying Zabit would be, would be typically the next one in line? Or I, do, think, is, I think with one more win, he's the title, he's the, he's the contender, number one contender. Exactly. That's and is that going to happen too. in Fight Island? I mean, Fight Island's here to stay, so I don't know. It should. It can't can oh, happen. But is, when is the date for that fight? Well, they haven't really... Oh, they haven't, eh? They, I don't think yeah, they announced they haven't. it. I don't think they announced it yet. They okay. announced that date. I think they announced that they're signing, but I don't know when it's going to be. But if right. they should do it on Fight Island, that'd be pretty cool for Zabit to do it because, you know, it's semi, somewhat close to... Uh, but he trains out in New York, so it's not really... I guess he's going to have to travel. Well, look, as of now, it's supposed to be signed, actually, for August 29th. Oh, there you go. So it's probably going to be Fight Island there. That'd be nice. So it looks like it'll be uh, Fight Island. I mean, somebody said that the last fight on Fight Island will be Miocic and Cormier, and I completely disagree. I think that will actually be on Fight Island until the rest of the year. I think Fight Island, yeah, all the fights are going to be there until the rest of the year, until they can figure this out. And I think that Vegas needs to, if they want fights to happen in Vegas again, they're going to have to you know, start, yeah. start accommodating them a bit. Yeah. I think Dana White's forcing their hand. Uh, so let's what talk. I'm interested in, what I'm sorry to cut you no, off. Go ahead. What I'm just interested in knowing is, is that whether the UFC and the W Hotel and I guess like Explore Abu Dhabi or whatever the tourist uh, company that they're kind of helping them out with or whatever it is, like uh, how are they going to help with like the side attractions? You know, like they had the racetrack, they had this, they had that. Like, are they going to spice it up a little more? Like, I was shocked to see that the fighters were able to drink brews. Yeah, it, it's true. Fuck, they they were able. I mean, I didn't know that they were able to. I don't know if even know if they sold they sold alcohol back then. Like so that. so Volkanovski uh, and the boys after they won yeah. were drinking fucking beers, and because it was it was the morning, uh, the guys were having like bacon eggs uh, cereal <laughs> and beer, I and then like they it. fell asleep by like uh, four o'clock in the oh, afternoon. Man, those, the, all that. those guys probably had a great time. Winners or losers, probably had a great time after. Yeah. For sure. In, in in my opinion, I just think that, you know, the UFC, uh, what would be nice is, is that, you know, either obviously they sent up room service or some type of bottle service up to their hotel rooms or they set up conference rooms where, you know, they could kind of have a little post-fight celebration yeah. and do their thing and whatever it is. I think that that would be nice. And another thing that would be nice is also is like, um, you know, just getting the food right a little bit more like not so that you have to have cornflakes after you just knock the guy out <laughs> yeah you know maybe get a nice little steak a little mcdonald's action or something oh, I don't why know. not so let's get it let's get into the the final fight the one that i think everybody was excited about Jorge Masvidal takes on uh kamar usman on six days notice for the welterweight championship and we saw um what everybody 
knew we were going to see kind of thing is just Kamaru Usman just dominating for five rounds. Alex? Okay. Okay. Street Jesus, Journeyman, Game Bread, whatever his name is. Judas. I've heard so many nicknames. Judas. Yeah, that's, that's what I heard. Jesus and Judas. <laughs> I don't know. Some people were fucking calling him like that. I don't know. Um, anyways, I was kind of expecting that from uh, from Usman. Uh, his, I'm sorry to say it, but boring tactics. Okay. Um, other than that, I think Usman dominated him in the ring. It was there was not much to say. Usman was doing the same thing for five rounds. What I liked, what I liked that Usman did is that he, he, did a he lot controlled. of. Well, he, he he's just that's what he does. He's a much better version of Woodley. Uh, Adam and I had said that on his show a couple weeks ago. Yeah. But the what the one thing I like what Usman did is that he didn't just push him to the fence the entire time. He wasn't able to do much against the, on the fence too because Masvidal was able to get those underhooks, uh, those 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 leg stomps. You know, there was a lot of things that were happening, and Masvidal was just ready to go the entire time. But he, you could tell that he gassed out pretty quick. And to Adam's point before about cutting weight is that when you cut a weight, you're you get a floppy belly. Your abs aren't as strong, and so if you take a few shots or if you start getting gassed or the guy's putting weight on your stomach or on your ribs or something, it's going to start weighing on you. And especially if you deplete yourself of that much water, your shoulders get heavy really quick. So he wasn't able to keep his hands up, and he was getting tagged a lot. And Usman's boxing looked great, looked unreal against one of the best boxers in the UFC. And you remember what I told you a couple of weeks ago? I did tell you Masvidal is an incredible fighter. Yeah. Okay. I just don't think he's championship level. Well, I mean, we won't know if he's championship level until he gets a full cap against the champ. Because I feel like I feel like even though he lost the five rounds on a full cap, that might be a completely different story. Because he was still able to get Usman. He tagged him a few times. Usman just has a cinder block of a face. Yeah. Well, yeah. A, you know, a couple things with with Masvidal is is that unfortunately. Um, his Muay Thai didn't seem to fare. The body kicks were one of the things that actually slowed down the fight because Usman was either catching them and then closing in to clinch or then pushing him up against the cage. The thing that Masvidal struggled the most with was actually boxing against Usman. Exactly. And I think that had he been a lot sharper on the boxing, he would have been able to keep Usman at the end of his punches more, perhaps end with a lower base leg kick because Masvidal is pure Muay Thai in the sense that he doesn't throw those low calf kicks. He goes for the fucking ribs. Yeah. So, you know, against Usman, who's a good Greco-Roman wrestler, he's going to grab hold of you and he's going to hold the clinch. Do I think that if Masvidal has a bigger camp, um, we do see a little bit of a different fight? Absolutely. However, my biggest issue with Jorge Masvidal, um, and I have to credit another guy on Twitter, Edwin Gallo, he pointed out a great point. Jorge Masvidal is black belt level jiu-jitsu. He has high-level wrestling. He could wrestle with all D1 wrestlers in a room and not look like a total square. He could go into a jiu-jitsu black belt, uh, you know, rolling session and not look like a total square. But the problem is, is that his defense is so strong and so conservative that in a fight with the time limit, with rounds, it's like, dude, you got to fucking move here. Like, you're good at nullifying, you're good at defending, you're good at slowing everything down here, but he's kind of getting to the point where minutes are going by and he's absorbing uh, control and he's absorbing little pitter-patter ground and pound and ultimately, that was one of the things that I found was a big time waster against Usman and even Damian Maya in the past. And I just think that had he had sharper boxing, I think we would have saw a different fight. But 
you know, like Alex said, is he a journeyman? Uh, no, I don't think so. I think that he has 14. He's 35 and 14. Okay. Yes, that could be a little bit of a journeyman record, but in my opinion, I think that, um, I think that he's 35 and, and 14 with about four to five asterisks next to it in terms of his split decision losses, etc. But another thing too is is that nobody credits the fact that when he lost to Benson Henderson in Korea by split decision, how fucking dominant Benson Henderson was at that, at that point. point. Yeah, I mean, yeah. like, dude, he yeah. he literally 10 aided Nate Diaz like five rounds in a row, almost not off of damage, but just pure control and like just. Uh, you know, just pure control in terms of the octagon and the strike. So just the fact of, you know, seeing what Masvidal has done in the past up until now. And like I said earlier, this whole allure of Fight Island, maybe the fight doesn't even count anyways. I don't think it's that big of a deal, but... I think that he'll probably get the next title shot, like the second... The, like, I... So did you see they did a mil- 1.3? What do you mean? Uh, viewers? They did, apparently they did 1.3 million buys. Guaranteed next title shot. So the way I look at it is, is that you put the next one in line is probably Gilbert Burns. I w- I don't know why they just don't do Masvidal versus Leon Edwards. Because Leon Edwards, who's he fought? Like, uh, who's his last fight? Dude, I don't know what the allure is on Le- Leon Edwards. Everyone's talking about so Gilbert big, Burns. I don't get it. I don't know what the allure is on Gilbert Burns. I mean, I think that Gilbert <laughs> Burns fought his best fight he can ever fight against Woodley. Is he going to be able to do that against Usman? I don't think so. I mean, he he beat up a Woodley that's that just fights as if he has a lead, and he beat up a Woodley that that seems like he doesn't care anymore. And it, to me, it wasn't it Burns wasn't the guy. I agree. The title shot, you know. I like Wonder. I, I like I Wonder Boy there instead. Uh, Leon Edwards. I mean, as good as he's been, um, we're not really sure. The book is kind of out on him. I think him versus uh, maybe Wonder Boy would be nice, but I think Wonder Boy should be the next title shot. I mean, I feel like he should have been the champ. When he beat, when he lost to Woodley, I thought he beat him. So there's just all these things, and the welterweight division isn't what it used to be. And Usman's at the top, and for it to get a 1.3 million view, uh, buys is legit 90 percent because of Masvidal, and that's why he's going to get the nice. Title. That's well, a that's a thousand. The main, the way I see it is the main reason why he got 1.3 million buys is because of the three title belts. I don't I don't see it as Masvidal. Masvidal was a big piece to that. When he was, takes so the fight huge, but yeah, but three title belts, it, it doesn't come often. Of nobody, nobody really. I mean, what do you mean? It comes all the time. Three title fights. We've seen it so many times over the last. Six they do months. it. They do it like they probably do it twice a year. Two, More than three. that. Yeah, you see, you see two. Yeah, see two title shots almost guaranteed on a big pay per view, guaranteed, and then you'll see either a title shot or a number one contender shot. You know? Yeah, but normally, you see a woman title. Sh- uh, Title yeah, belts. Still, I mean, there's still no. three title belts. But the only thing is, is that nobody's buying to watch Aldo versus Jan. I mean, as good as the the fans like us wa- will watch Jan versus Aldo because we know who they are. But nobody, a casual, isn't gonna buy to watch Jan versus Aldo. Nobody really knows who Volkanovski is. Holloway is more is more of a household name. Absolutely. Um, Masvidal has become this huge thing. He's become Conor McGregor esque to the point where with this BMF. And uh, and him KOing Ben Askren the way he did, he's on the UFC cover, the the game, the commercial. Uh, he's everywhere. This guy, Masvidal, is the main reason why. It, I'd say ninety percent of the buys were because Masvidal took it on short notice. I agree. I I, I would definitely say that at least uh, 
at, at least 40 to 50% of the buys had to do with Masvidal coming in. If you're telling me that Gilbert Burns versus um, Kamaru Usman would have did even 800,000 buys, I say oh, you're crazy. I would say that they would do maximum 500,000 buys. Gilbert John Burns Jones fighting. 450 his last. Exactly. His Gilbert, last Gilbert Burns fighting for the title is due to the fact that it's yeah. kind of the right thing to do yeah. and the fact that there's also contractual issues as well. Um, now that they've made London a hub, I believe, to fly out of, uh, Leon Edwards will be able to to go to Fight Island. I don't really understand what the whole issue is. Masvidal has refused fighting Colby Covington next. Um, I don't see Wonderboy taking that fight against Masvidal next. I uh, Colby. Colby and Leon Edwards should be in the next fight. To fight That's each what other? I think. They, they they should because I think the winner the winner out of that fight should be the number one contender. What about Wonder Boy? I disagree. I'd like to see Leon Edwards fight Wonder Boy. Yeah, Wonder Boy and Leon Edwards would be a great that'd be a great stand up fight. I mean, it would be amazing to see what Leon Edwards can do versus a karate style a karate style fighter like like Wonder Boy. Yeah, Wonder Boy is he, he he's a he's a great talent. Um, like I said, fucking Dana White just. Does his own stuff. He, he prints money. They know why he prints money. Yeah, he knows, he knows what. That's to what do. he does. He knows what's gonna sell. But like you, but like yeah. Adam said, there's the fan friendly things that he has to do in order to get like the 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 fighter friendly ones. The Gil Gilbert Burns, the championship fight. Okay, give me this fight and I'll give you a shot. You know, so he has to do that stuff. But for the most part, they know what fans like. And he could have easily just said, "I'm not gonna cave to Masvidal." And he's like, "Fuck it, Masvidal, you get whatever you want if you give me this fight." And that's, yeah. they renegotiate his contract, and now he's making whatever amount of money he's making. I wanted to ask Adam, how do you think? What do you think he his contract is now? You think he's up to five um, million? Who Masvidal? Yeah, his new contract. What do you mean five million? Five million a fight. No oh, way. Pay per view buys and stuff. No, no. Like I'm talking about uh, total, because I know there's like you could probably make like two fifty or five hundred a fight, like the actual the number that they'll release tomorrow, whatever it is. But right. when it comes to pay-per-view buys and stuff, what do you think he's going to do? So the number, the number that Usman and uh, Masvidal made was 600000 to Usman and 500000 to Masvidal. Usman got paid 40 extra thousand for his fight week salary, just cooperating with everything, doing the COVID, etc. Yeah. And then Masvidal an extra 30000 So I don't really know how the whole pay-per-view point system works to be able to, to predict whether or not he's making 2.5 or 5 million or whatever whatever it is what i could say is is that i do believe that Masvidal went for the pay-per-view points in terms of this and didn't really focus on his fixed rate and salary well, because he's getting 500 that's a nice fixed rate well that's already a good fixed rate but i also think that he bet on himself in the sense of of building up a fan base and a fandom uh definitely the win over Nick Diaz and the flying knee victory over Ben Askren has completely skyrocketed him. Um, so yeah. that's why I'm not really going to be surprised if Jorge Masvidal is either going to get a top contender in Leon Edwards or Wonder Boy. Um, like you said, like like he had said, he's not going to fight Colby Covington. I don't believe he's going to. He's obviously not getting the rematch against Usman. I don't believe he'll fight Gilbert Burns. So it looks like we're going to get Leon Edwards or Stephen Thompson or. Conor McGregor. Barbara. I mean, as much as I love Conor McGregor, I mean, I just think that it's like he's just waiting. He So Hudo's turned into Conor McGregor. Conor McGregor's just waiting for super fights now. 
He's just calling out everybody, waiting for somebody to take the bait. He can't fight unless it's an open crowd. I mean, Dana White said it for months now. He's been saying, I'm not going to put Conor on a card if I can't sell tickets, you know? And and to his point, I mean, he's a businessman first, right? So he has to do that. But he's also a promoter. Maybe you should get Conor McGregor to fight a guy like Masvidal, you know? Like, I mean, we would love to see Conor McGregor come back, but Conor McGregor has also lost a lot of his kind of his fighter credibility big time big we time know, we know what he's that we did to Cerrone and that's great a lot we of credibility did, has we been did lost. It before yeah exactly a lot of credibility has been lost a lot of a, a lot of talk too much talk too much chatter I mean you look at guys like Masvidal Justin Gaethje um who else am I missing here like Justin, uh, Justin Poirier Justin Poirier oh, like dude these guys have completely stole stole the show uh, over the last few months he, t- you know, he, he made a mistake by kind of taking a back seat because now he's seeing all these guys come up and they're making their own money. They're making their own their own their own, uh, their own names for themselves. You know. Yeah. Now, like you saw that he he told Nate Diaz to shut the fuck up on Twitter, and it's kind of like, well, Nate Diaz is in a really good fucking spot right now because he could either sign a contract with Masvidal or with Conor McGregor. And also, Masvidal had said if he wins the belt, he said he would give a shot to Nate Diaz because of the whole. Yes. Thing. Exactly. So that's like another thing. Um, so we'll end it on that. Uh, well, actually, we'll end it on this. Who do you think tomorrow night? We have well, tomorrow night. I guess yeah, tomorrow night is, we're gonna release this on Tuesday. Calvin Cater versus Ige. Who do you think wins that fight? Uh, I'm going with Calvin Cater. Uh, I'm not counting out Danny Ige. I think that Ige is definitely gonna bring the striking. Uh, is gonna press forward with his striking against Calvin Cater. Maybe not initially in the first round, but look for about the second or third round, Danny. Dan Ige to kind of really try to open up and really try to land some hard shots on Calvin Cater. I think he's going to nullify that with the grappling and then look for Calvin Cater to actually get a late finish in this fight. I'm calling it a late finish in the fourth or fifth round. If you're a betting guy, try to do the live betting in the later rounds or whatever it is. Um, So I'm going to go with Calvin Cater, TKO in the uh, fourth or fifth round. I like it. I like it. Alex, what do you think tomorrow? Yeah, Cater as well. Uh, I think he's uh, he's a well-rounded fighter. Um, Ige is, is to watch. He's I, I feel like that fight's gonna surprise us. Yeah, a lot. Uh, it could go it could go both ways. Uh, Ige, like Adam said, can bring on the show in the later rounds. Um, ultimately, I see Cater winning it. I, I think Cater's going to win, too. I, I'm, I'm excited for you yeah. to watch Ige fight. I think he was supposed to fight, but then the fight got canceled, right? Against... Uh, I think that Ige, Ige is a really good three-round fighter. I don't yeah. think that he's going to show up in the fourth and fifth round. I think that Cater yeah. will probably look to utilize his wrestling more in the later rounds, just also maybe to slow his pace down and kind of recover as well and go back to that ground and pound. Um, where does Max Holloway go from here? Max Holloway... I think he needs to fight. One like, of those, dude, imagine one of those losing to right Alex Volkanovski, and then they call you and they go, "Why don't you fight either Zabit, Yair Rodriguez, Calvin Cater?" You're like, "What the fuck?" Like, a lot of dude, these are high level guys, man. You better be paying this guy. You better be paying him. I think that Holloway needs to fight. Uh, dude, I'm thinking Holloway's going on the shelf for a little bit. I'm he scared. Should, he should go on the shelf a little bit, I think, to recover a little bit. But I think that Ortega. If he wins one more fight, he'll get Holloway another chance at Holloway. After I agree yes. with you on that. Yeah. I yes. agree with you on that. I see Holloway signing the dotted line for a rematch against Ortega, or 
Yair Rodriguez. I don't see Holloway signing the dotted line against Zabit, and that's not a knock on Holloway. I'm just saying that I don't think their paths are going to line up unless it's for a title shot is what I'm trying to say. I agree, and I think the UFC is kind of avoiding getting Zabit to the title shot quick, like quickly. You understand what's happening here, right, between Zabit and Yair Rodriguez? No. They're not going to, like, they're not going to take a guy like Ortega or a guy like Holloway who would sell the fight probably due to, you know, being American and and speaking English and whatever it is. So now they're kind of like completely killing the whole language barrier thing and they're (laughs) just strictly making it about skill set. You know, so they have to do realistically little to no marketing and they don't have to piggyback off of one fighter, which we've seen in the past. So that'll be interesting in terms of that. I think... That if you, I, I think after this Yair Rodriguez is gonna kind of like Move fizzle up. out. I don't, oh, I don't know. Okay, fizzle yeah. out. I don't know. I think yeah, yeah. the next one in line to kind of get this shit going. I think, I think that the y- only thing that will stop Zabit is himself making weight. Oh, that's true. I think Yair would be a great Bellator champion. Just the way I see it. Yeah. Yeah, you know what exactly. I mean. Like I see him; he's a great dude. Player. I don't know about that man. Uh, the he's Bellator a... division at 145 pounds has a fuckload of. Um, it does, but I think that Yair is like. I, that's what I'm saying. I think that Yair fits better over there than he does so over here. I'm gonna challenge you on that. Yair Rodriguez belongs in one championship. Oh, there you go. Even that's what I'm that's saying. Like, I just belongs. don't think that. I feel like he's always gonna be like the fourth or fifth he, best. Exactly. He belongs in one championship because he's got the look. He's got the flash, yeah. and he's predominantly a stand-up fighter. Like, dude, you think people wouldn't pay to watch Yair Rodriguez versus, like, a Petrosian or something like that? That would be a fucking phenomenal fight. Oh, amazing, yeah, sick. So I actually would think that Yair, Yair Rodriguez would show up in uh, in one championship. And just to note that one championship is going to do an event this month in Bangkok. Yeah. My uh, my buddy's actually going to – Mark Abelardo is going to fight uh, Fabricio Andrade. He's 3-2. and two. Mark is nineteen and seven, I believe. Oh, wow. okay. Look for Mark to TKO this guy. Oh, nice! I'm gonna watch it. I'm gonna watch it. Um, and last one, just quickly, your predictions. I know it's a month away, but we're gonna say uh, Stipe and Decormier. So the biggest thing that is stopping uh, Daniel Cormier is kind of the same thing that's been stopping Max Holloway, and that is the failure to fight five perfect fucking rounds. Yeah. Okay, we saw it in in John Jones uh, versus versus Daniel Cormier, he was capable to win rounds against him. But obviously, John Jones being the elite fighter, though, he wasn't able to win five rounds. And the same thing fared against Stipe, because in the second fight against Stipe, Daniel Cormier was pressing forward like he was against John Jones. And you see in those later rounds how it fared, and he got fucking KO'd. So that pressure and that style, Cormier is really going to have to have an A1 perfect fight to be able to keep that pace and that pressure up for the entire round. What's my prediction? I'm going with DC, TKO, third round. Love it. Alex? I go opposite. I go steep. Of course you did. Steep, uh, knockout fourth rounds because Cormier's going to gas out and Cormier retires for good. You think Cormier retires on a loss? That'll never happen. I think both. I think both fighters retire after this fight. Even Stipe? Yeah, I think Stipe is going to retire. I think, uh, first of all, that you really saw over this pandemic, how, and we've seen in the past how much he cares about his firefighting job. Uh, we've seen before, you know, on UFC Embedded's and whatever it is, the piece of property that Stipe has. He's a private guy. He's got a nice piece of land, beautiful wife, family, blah, blah, blah. 
Um, there's no other fights for him to do after after Stipe Miocic. The only guy for him to fight afterwards is John Jones. Is is Stipe Miocic going to wait around for an Anthony Johnson to knock him out? Are you fucking kidding me? Or, why, would he, and why would he even take a fight against John there's Jones? There's no reason to. Did you know I was watching on Twitter today and somebody said, good news, there's no heavyweight fights on Wednesday? Tell me in what era have you ever heard somebody say that in your life about a heavyweight fight? It's true. It's a good point. I mean, even in boxing, too, to be the heavyweight champ is like you're the baddest motherfucker in the world. You know what I mean? Exactly. Like, and now that we actually have a heavyweight division in boxing, where like maybe four years ago, it started coming back. But before that, there was that whole era, that Klitschko era, where it was so boring to watch. Nobody cared. Klitschko dominated everyone, dude. That's what I'm saying. It was boring. Klitschko dominated everybody. The best part about the the best thing about the Klitschko uh, era ending is that it ended off with a boring fucking fight with Tyson Fury. With Tyson yeah. Fury yeah, yeah, beating yeah. him. That, that was, was the, the first time I ever saw Tyson Fury. The boring fight. That was the first time I ever saw Tyson Fury fight, and I'm watching. Dude, him. Like, my first time watching guy? my first time watching Tyson Fury was inside of a hotel room after going to New Jersey watching. Uh, John Jones versus Chael Sonnen. Wow. We went back to the hotel room after, had a couple of drinks, and uh, Tyson Fury was fighting Chris Ariola. He had hair wow. at the time, Tyson yeah, yeah. Fury. It was unbelievable. So I'm seeing him, and I'm like, who the hell is this guy, this long, awkward, belly guy, piecing up Klitschko? And I was freaking out. And then ever since then, the rest is history, I guess. Uh, <laughs> Adam, thanks for coming on, buddy. We really appreciate it. Um, Thanks for coming on, man. Yeah, man, it was great. I mean, I, we all we'll always talk UFC. I'll always talk uh, fighting with anybody. I know Alex wanted to get in on this too, so uh, we appreciate you coming on, buddy. And uh, tell everybody where to reach you. For sure, man. Thanks a lot for having me on. Uh, this is going to be, uh, you know, something that we're going to get used to uh, doing, anyways. Viewers are going to get used to seeing us collaborating on the unanimous decision and hot sauce sports. You can find me at uh, on Instagram at the U at the unanimous decision mtl on twitter at adam kaplan 13 and that's also my personal instagram at adam kaplan 13 you know apple Podcasts and spotify the unanimous decision we're about seven episodes deep uh the longest episode we have is with terry which is about two hours long and uh, I, i'm convinced that me and terry could bring a could break a podcast world record and we could we could break a podcast world record. Right, let's do it, man. I'm talking about MMA. I'm so down. I think that we could do it. I'm Jesus so down, Christ. Man. We'll talk about the old days. Actually, we'll, actually, this week I'll, I'll tell you before that we'll end it. Is this week we do we always do our discussions on hot sauce, so we're making a graphic and we put the best fighters of the 2000 era. So Alex, who do we have? We had uh, Hughes, GS, GSP, uh, yeah, Hughes, GSP, Silva, and huh? and Fedor. Uh, Fedor, yeah. So out of those, out of those four, who's your favorite fighter out of those four? Hughes, GSP, Silva, and Fedor. And okay, well, no, for sure, it's it's for sure for me. It would have to be George Saint Pierre, uh, undoubtedly. Um, I would definitely agree with those four. Um, you I know, it's just crazy. What's crazy is though is that there's a lot of different guys that you could also throw in there in that BJ era, Penn. especially around the Matt Hughes time. You could throw a BJ Penn. You could throw a little Chuck Liddell, a little Randy, Rich Gator, Franklin, a little bit of this, a little bit of that. Yeah, Rich Franklin was cool too. But the thing is, is that losses. Anderson Silva unfortunately drowned out all middleweights of that era. So Doesn't unfortunately, yeah. any middleweight out of that era besides Anderson Silva won't really fare too too much. Another guy that should, you know, you know who should be mentioned Forrest is, Griffin. um, is 
dude, Forrest Griffin. I was going to say Rampage Jackson. Oh, Rampage. Yeah, Rampage is a good one, too. I was going to yeah. say Rampage. One thing that always made me happy about that Ultimate Fighter series is, though, is that we saw another side of Rashad Evans. I think a lot of fans kind of felt, dude, I feel that fans look at Kamaru Usman now the way fans used to look at Rashad Evans then. And, and that's his, why. And oh, okay. And that's why I think guys used to be high on the Rampage Jackson a la Jorge Masvidal. And I think that in time, fans are actually going to get to know Usman and they're going to like him. Yeah, I agree. I agree. And the last thing I'll say is I'm talking my fucking ass off is that <laughs> Usman being, uh, being also from Nigerian descent is working at a very good advantage because the most marketable fighter in the, in the UFC right now is Israel Adesanya. Oh, and that's point. a great guy to be linked with. Yeah, that's a very good point. So again, uh, so unanimous decision. You can find him there. This episode is going to show up on uh, July 14th. Uh, Hostile Sports all uh, on Apple, Spotify, uh, YouTube. So this as well. will be audio also. It'll be audio as well. Yeah. Okay. Perfect. Yeah. Um, so that'll be up. We'll clip it up a bit too, and we'll share it out. Uh, thanks for coming on again, Adam. I really appreciate it. Alex, thanks for coming on, and I'll probably talk to you in about 15 minutes. All right. Thanks a lot, guys. It was a pleasure being on, and I'm looking forward to the next one. Peace. Perfect. Thanks, buddy. It was a pleasure, Adam. Likewise, bro.